In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. As I was preparing for today, I came across a piece I wanted to share with you that I thought was pretty interesting for where we are right now. Christmas hath a darkness brighter than the blazing noon. Christmas hath a chillness warmer than the heat of June. Christmas hath a beauty lovelier than the world can show, for Christmas bringeth Jesus brought for us so low. These words come from a poem entitled Christmas Eve by Victorian poet Christina Rossetti. When I first heard them, I was struck by the deeply contrasting imagery. When I read about her and found that the majority of her life was marked by serious illness, her words became more real and gained deeper meaning, especially at this time of the year and in the context of this service tonight. Her words are simple, and underneath them runs a current of hope. Hope. We hear about it all the time. We're always being told not to lose hope. We know that Advent is a season of hope, and when life throws us curveballs or heartbreak or disaster strikes, our friends and loved ones will often say, with the best of intentions, don't give up. Everything will be all right. We want to believe that. We pray that things will get better. We cry literally and figuratively for it to be so. But how? How can things get better when things can seem so bleak? What do we do with the fact that, especially at this time of year, everyone just wants us to be happy, even if we aren't? All of our readings tonight speak to a message of hope and the promise of healing and restoration and transformation by God in the midst of the overwhelming. In Isaiah, we hear that a voice cries out, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground will become level and the rough places a plain. These words written at a time when the Israelites were devastated and their desire for something to be hopeful about was as crucial as their desire for an explanation for the destruction of Jerusalem. When you're unsteady and lost, you long for security and stability. And Isaiah's words were intended to give hope to the hopeless, and they do. When the Lord comes, the unbalanced will become balanced and the rough places smooth. These words sound great, but sometimes, try as we might, we can't escape certain questions. Why must 
we endure this? How long must we wait for everything to be okay again? Are you listening, God? In our gospel reading, Mary seems to have everything figured out. She knows that something overwhelming is happening to her, and she's secure in her faith. And even Elizabeth calls this out when she said, Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. That's a very inspiring image of Mary, but just before this, during the Annunciation, we see a bit of a different side of Mary, the one that seems to say, wait, wait, what's going on here? How can this happen to me? I suspect that there also must have been some of that going on for her when she finds herself about to give birth and has no place safe to go, so she ends up in a cow stall. We'll see that Mary again on the day of the crucifixion when she watches her son get nailed to a cross. I always wonder if in that moment she still felt so favored. We only get glimpses of that Mary, the Mary that's unsure, scared, confused about what's happening to her. I, th- I think it's easier for many of us to relate to this Mary, the Mary that knows just as much about anxiety and fear and suffering as she does about the favor of God. For Mary, I believe there must have been more than a few moments of her saying to herself, this is not how I imagined this playing out. As I've been preparing, I've found myself reminded of my last Christmas in New York City Of all the things about the city that I loved, I think the thing I loved most was how it looked at Christmas time. The city, which is always already bright, seems somehow to get even brighter at this time of year. You know when Christmas has come to the Big Apple. There's the tree in Rockefeller Center, lights in Central Park, a giant hanging snowflake over Fifth Avenue and 57th Street, wreaths, ribbons, and Santas everywhere. I enjoyed that just about every year I lived there. However, the last one I spent there was really different. A few months before, I had unexpectedly ended a serious relationship that I'd been in for a number of years. Everything about my life felt like it had unraveled. Faced with my first Christmas alone in a really long time, all I wanted to do was avoid it. My pain and sadness only seemed to be heightened by the merriment of the season. I couldn't escape all the shiny, happy people, ringing bells, the decorations. It was, it was all just too much. At the urging of my mother, I always listen to my mother, I'd put up a tree but spent most of the time in my apartment in the dark watching reruns of Long Order, not feeling very merry. I tried to go out and be social, but everybody was so happy, and I was just not there 
with them. Most of the time I had that feeling of isolation in a crowded room and just wanted to be literally alone. There was no sure ground to stand on. Nothing felt comfortable. Why had this happened to me? I didn't understand. I couldn't figure out how I'd gotten to that place. At that time, all I could see was hustle and bustle and blinking lights and no sign of the Holy Spirit anywhere. I felt hopeless. Not wanting to bring anyone else down with me, I'd resolved to spend Christmas alone. And I was sitting alone in my apartment on Christmas Eve when I got a call from my dear friend Stuart. His trip out of town had gotten canceled and he knew I was alone and insisted that we have dinner together on Christmas. The first sign of life in the wilderness. It had started to snow in the morning. By the time we were cooking in his apartment, it was a full-on snowstorm. New York City was having its first white Christmas in years when a call came from two other good friends who were stranded in the city because of their storm. My friends Keith and Timree are amazing people, and it is literally impossible not to feel lighter around them. The light was getting brighter. We all ended up having a lovely dinner, but then it was time to go back into the darkness. Getting a taxi was not going to happen, so I had to walk home. It was so quiet because of the storm. The streets were empty, and if you've ever been outside during a heavy snowstorm, you know that it kind of acts like a sound blanket. When the noise dies in New York City, you are left with nothing but your thoughts. At first, I dreaded going back to my empty apartment, but my anxiety was soothed by the fact that everything was covered in smooth with snow. And the lights, the lights that had me so distressed earlier seemed to be leading me. I can't explain it, but it was as if all those lights were expressly lit to help me get home. By the time I arrived back at my building, my dread at going home had turned into something resembling enthusiasm. Suddenly, all I wanted to do was be in my apartment and turn on my Christmas tree and bask in that light. I had this feeling of joy that had been so absent in my life, and I slept for the first night in months. Barbara Brown Taylor says that salvation is a word for the divine spaciousness that comes to human beings in all the tight places where their lives are at risk regardless of how they got there or whether they know God's name. Sometimes it comes as an extended human hand, sometimes as a bolt from the blue, but either way it opens a door in what looked 
for all the world like a wall. This is the way of life, and God alone knows how it works. I would add that sometimes it can come in the form of a snowstorm or a canceled travel plan, because what I came to realize was that the salvation I was seeking had been there the whole time in the presence of my friends and was amplified by the lights and sounds of the city, not crowded out by them. Realizations like this will look different for everyone. In that time and place, God ended up being revealed to me in all the things I was actually trying to avoid. My friends, the city, my home. I wonder about you. Can you open your heart to feel God reaching out to you through whatever it is that may be challenging you? And if you feel it, can you reach back? That's hard work. So this year, when we see the lights of the season, rather than making us sad or overwhelmed, I pray that they remind us that even in our despair, God is present. That just like it was for Mary, even in the midst of the most complex and tragic moments of our lives, God is always doing something new. That we're able to feel those lights as the healing embrace of the Holy Spirit, even when all we might be feeling in our hearts is darkness. That we recognize those lights as a symbol of the light of the world, Jesus Christ, who will soon be among us when we allow ourselves to bask in that light. We open ourselves up to healing, restoration, and transformation. And that, my brothers and sisters, is indeed something to be hopeful about. Christmas hath a beauty lovelier than the world can show for Christmas bringeth Jesus brought for us so low.